Welcome to Taking the Rams by the Horns, a podcast that takes current affairs out of current affairs, a podcast in partnership with Sowetan Live. I'm your host, Rams Mabote. South Africa is alive with possibilities. I mean, who would have imagined a former president in jail? A sitting president sleeping on cash, literally. A cabinet minister visiting a common prisoner in jail. Or even the post office operating, even when they have nothing to do. Can you confirm that delivery performances drop? Welcome to the new Sowetan Live podcast called Taking the Rams by the Horns with me, Rams Mabot. Each week, I will be taking a lighter look at very serious topics that half the time drive you up the wall. This podcast will use humor to take no prisoners, have no holy cows, and cook a whole lot of sacrificial lambs. Now, today's guest is another one who needs no introduction, except he may need a reintroduction because he's been very quiet lately. But you know, the internet is always tracking stuff, right? You. <laughs> Our currency is even failing. Dilodiatura. Yay! How ro reka boroto last week, or obo reka next week, wa abona hurbui lego di mo. Okabua hape. How reka ta upahama taxi from Soweto or yagua yatura. How ro reka mutakasi ofela kapile. How rewar muholo waha ujotsana mopei. You realize that at the end of the money, there's still more months left. So, dear friends, please welcome in studio with me, leader and founder of Build One South Africa, Musi Maimani. Right, so. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's my great privilege to be here. And uh, it's an honor, really. To Thank be. you for coming out. Right? Because <laughs> came out here. I mean, did you walk from Cape Town to get here? I took as long, a, a, a long walk to freedom. It's, it's a job. to freedom. Yeah, no. uh, yeah. Cape Town, you need to be free from Cape Town to come here. But <laughs> Oscar, you know, I would bet you've won the lottery because people who make money suddenly they disappear. disappear. They like, disappear. Where have you been? I've been on the ground, you know. Uh, it's 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 important, or when you start a new organization, to never lose track of the fact that citizens are on the ground. So I've been traveling a lot, engaging communities. We have been uh, working hard at, um, at what we call a government in working. So, you know, we have a water crisis. We have many other different crises, and so I've been in there delivering boreholes. We've been putting water tankers. So I've been on the ground speaking to community members and building really a grassroots orientated movement, which is what I think in many which ways... Which is how the organization started, right? Yeah, it was correct. built from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not supposed to be just a, a normal <clears throat> political organization. We, we were intentional about that because part of the reason why I think parliament is where it is now is that parliament and politicians in parliament often have become severely disconnected from citizens. You know, you don't, you find somebody doesn't now know what actually goes on in a village, in a community, etc. Yet they go to parliament to go speak and rep and claim to be public representatives. So I felt I needed to get back there. And I've I really had a great time, really enjoyed 
re-engaging citizens' understanding from their perspective what kind of country they want to see. So we are comfortable. We are growing in all communities. So it's so, been so a positive. So before we get country. to bigger issues, well, you've just been hit with a lawsuit. In fact, you've been now officially the courts say you must pay 500k to four guys I don't, whose names I don't remember. Yeah. That should mess you up a bit, right? It, it's tough. It is a... Uh, First and foremost, I feel Jorge, it became a class action against me as an individual. Yeah. It became something that I was acting on behalf of an organization in a world where when you are in an organization and there were some serious issues that were taking place in Cape Town. And at the time, I felt it was important, Jorge, I must be able to to take a strong stance. And many things were said backwards and forwards. But, you know, like I always say to people, we are in the midst of a rugby World Cup right now. Yeah. When you tackle in rugby, sometimes you tackle and something go wrong. But the worst you can get is a yellow card. And if you like, it's upgraded to a red card. Yeah. But if you tackle somebody and they get injured, what they don't have a right to do is to go to a police station and open a case of assault. <laughs> yeah, they can't it's, do that. It's outside. Yes. And I felt in this instance, there was intra-political, intra-party discourse that people felt, or no, they needed to take it to a court. And by orientation, courts don't always deal with what happens inside a political party. You know, I always say to people, if I, in parliament or in any other institution, say, I think so-and-so is corrupt. They, I don't need to say or the court found or there you don't was have a to prove anything. It's called parliamentary privilege. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I just feel, Hori, there's political discourse and rhetoric that sometimes if the courts start to pronounce on those things, they will become themselves problematic because over a long period of time, it will tame some of what I think is going on inside a political party. Shouldn't these guys have sued the DA, though, not you? Effectively, I think it should have been because I was acting on behalf of the organization. But one of the more painful and difficult things is that when I left the DA, the DA effectively treated me in such a way that it, like a leper, said, we want you out of the organization and therefore we distance ourselves from it all. And at the initiation of the case, you'll remember it was in 2018. And because even from the drafting of newsletters, all of those things, they were happening inside the organization by a team inside the yeah. organization. The legal team that first represented me when we went to court was a DA legal team. And when I left, they simply said, now you are on your own. And so, so one minute they, they put you in this beautiful bus, you there waving to the masses and the next minute they throw you under this bus. And that's the that's the difficulty of it all. But, you know, at the same time as all of that, you as a leader must also recognize that you take your own battles. And certainly when I left the DA, I left for reasons that say we were we had a different vision in an organization. I wanted to build an organization that works for all South Africans. It seemed like the organization was very committed to building a minority organization. And so normally 
leaders of color from different places also left. And then you pick up your battles and you fight. It's a battle I'll fight. And I think to me over a long period of time will be vindicated for having fought a battle that said there were issues. There were issues in Cape Town. There were profound allegations. If I did not investigate those, I wonder where just as a city it would have been today. So you recently, you know, there was a there was a launch to the moon recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were outside that uh, that, uh, that that spacecraft. That journey. Right? There was a spacecraft <laughs> taking people to the moon, and it was supposedly for everybody who's outside the mainstream. Why were you not part of the moon shot pact? Well, l- let's figure out what we are trying to solve for, and then work out solutions that solve for the problem as you see it. <clears throat> South Africa is at this point now that it needs to write a new chapter that says, what do we do after politics of liberation? What do we do in post-liberation politics, as it were? Because liberation politics were effectively about parties that represented particular racial demographics, religious or, or ethnic, warring against a system of apartheid and And so you had black parties versus white parties. You even have colored parties. You have all of that. Zulu parties. You've got all of that infrastructure in place. We have to solve to say, given that that's our history, post-2024, can we build what would be typically a new South African party that takes the journey forward? That's the first thing. The second thing is, if you look at it numerically and you said there's a coalition government next year and you want to form it without the NC, let's just make as an argument. The parties that have congregated around the Charter 24 cannot achieve 50%. They can't achieve 50 plus 1. They can't. And even if you... Yeah, because you were not in the past. You, you didn't go. No, you, even you, if you, you were to mix... The plus one. And this is the second thing. Even if you mix them together, it's like if I say, we're now rata uh, tamati, I like lettuce... You like uh, uh, feta, you like all of that. Just because we put them in one thing and call it a Greek salad doesn't suddenly increase the market. <laughs> because people who like tomatoes may not like lettuce. Yeah. And them being put together does not suddenly make them attracted to the one. So, so my point is this. There's a deficit of 12% that sits on all ends. We have to solve for that 12%. So I am saying... In a post-liberation politics where we need something fresh and new for a generation of voters who are coming on board for the first time saying, let's talk about the future of this country in a different way, cognizant of its past. How do we build forward? Secondly, how do we solve for the 12% that says, Rona, we are a generation who wants something that can, when we bring out our numbers, we can contest for ideals. That's what I'm trying to solve for. It would never have served me in that instance to have been part of Charter 24. And then lastly, you know, even an, a South African who's on the road says to me, Musi, we, we liked you in the DA. We may not have liked the DA, but we liked you. Osari Bilezayonega Bekdoa Seblif. Don't. So, 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 so. I'm glad you said that because for me, it, I also felt like, well, you're never going to be in the same room with Don Stian Zayzen again. You know, you know. Uh, so, 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 I've gone ahead and I'm building uh, this organization for, for, if you like, new South Africans, young people who are future orientated, to say we reject politics of the past because 
for them, they reject the idea of saying, I must join a party because it represents the my biological features or tribal or ethnic. Yeah. But I actually want to join because I believe in these ideas. You know, when I when I think about the struggle waged, and I'm not old enough to talk about the 60s and the 70s and even the formations of parties like the NC, etc., there went formulations that said, let's just fight a war of race. They had ideals. They had ideals that said, what will South Africa look like when it's free? And so you had things like the Freedom Charter, etc. Today, we've got to solve for what happens next. Because if we fail to do that as to how we think about Africa, we think about our economy, we think about all of those things, we really enter the political stream. And then eventually it will be a function of going, these are black parties, white parties, and you might as well join the list and say, who exactly are you representing as a function of biology, not as a function of ideas? How 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 is Bosa doing? I mean, and how do I pronounce it, by the way? Bosa. Kibosa. Yeah. You know, for a, there was a time when I thought maybe Kibosa, like it's about you. Like, you uh, know, how you mm. used to say, oh, Bosa. So but, but at the same time as all of that, that mistake is not lost on me. Our Bosa, <laughs> we must tell the people, come on, yeah. they're in charge. Okay, okay. Yeah. How, is the, how is the organization doing? Incredibly well. You know, if you said to me a year on, literally, you would have. Over four, we, we put out a general application to say anyone who wants to represent their communities must stand. We have got, now got over 400 public representatives who are standing and saying, Hore, I want to represent my community. What's beautiful about that is that these are South Africans who are black, white, Indian, and colored. What's also great about it is that because now suddenly you haven't made the only qualification for them to be people who are in politics, you are finding qualified people, lawyers, doctors, teachers, uh, you know, so so what's great about that is that now suddenly you can up the caliber of person who goes to parliament, right? Because I happen to think, Jorge, some of the failings of parliament is that we've made politics the only qualification to get there. And so invariably what happens is that when you sit in portfolio committees, you can hear, Jorge, there isn't an engagement with the substantive issues that are there. There's just political rhetoric and mm. parliament <clears throat> becomes that stadium. Secondly, we have representation in all nine provinces, our membership base has, and we're not, I'm not driven by membership. I'm driven by saying, how do we go into community? Each of those candidates had to deliver a thousand uh, signatures and members themselves. So you can do the calculations from there. If but they don't, you, are you going to fire them like the other party fired people for not getting buses? Well, they can't qualify. They can't qualify to be a public representative. So <laughs> that's how the, it's baked into the rules. But more than anything, we're now in all communities. When I look at what we've been able to deliver in, in those communities, you know, we've, we've been in communities making sure communities that didn't have water, we put water there. Communities that didn't have, even in some. When you say we, you mean now. You. As Build One South Africa, we've went out and said, Bossa, Ibatla Utoo where people are... So you would raise <coughs> funds and do that. Correct. So you're running a parallel government. Is that not illegal? <laughs> Our people are hungry. Whether, whether, whether they, they, that, that's the crime. Yeah. <laughs> the, the crime is that not... That people are hungry. <laughs> that people are hungry. So we better as well go out of our way to do what we so need to do. So then we have to forgive these people who steal from... 
COVID. We went to registered political party. It was yeah. awesome. And I went out and said, at the time, we were looking for the newly unemployed. Because remember, when people are have been historically unemployed, they either have a benefit of some grant or old age grant or yeah. whatever configuration like that. But if you're a waiter or a waitress who's just finished, uh, who's just now, your restaurant is closed because of COVID. When you are newly unemployed and hungry, we created a database of people. We delivered over 1.1 million meals because for now I want to... I have known that. You know, I was, I was newly unemployed. You know, I'm, I'm a freelancer, so nothing was happening at the time. I'm going to get a little bit of 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 a little Remember, our children were not going to school during COVID. Yeah. They went. We went out. We set up a blended learning center. I went and called people. I said, bring computers. Let's set them up here. We gave young people uh, access through smartphones for them to improve their maths marks. So for me, the issue is we must stop having these professional politicians in that sense. What we need is to restore the sense of activism that really goes back to say, here are needs in our communities and what can we do? And now I'm I'm grateful in that having grown up with Dobsonville, I've been able to amass a network of citizens who are resourced. The I was issue, about to ask, where, where, where's the money from, right? I mean, we 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 contribute about one point something trillion rand to, to the fiscus and mm. government still battles to do things. Yeah. Where are you getting the money when you're not even collecting from the fiscus? But you know what's starting to happen more and more in this country? And I can see it as a movement that is unreported on. Are citizens taking power into their hands? Literally, whether or go coster, and we may debate whether it's right or wrong, yeah. but here's a bunch of people who say the municipality is failing, let's do something. Whether or go in Maritzburg, where people are saying, we don't have water, but we're going to make a plan. I was in Chatsworth. It's it's all the same. So that movement is happening. And where the money comes from is that Rona, who, you know, there's a famous, uh, I think it's it's in the Bible, it says, to whom much is given, much is much expected. Is expected yeah. You know, and, and, and Rona, we've had opportunities, opportunities of education, opportunities of network, where we've been able to create people, to meet people. You know, yeah. nowadays, e- even President Mandela himself, remember in office, you realize what the fiscus was so drained. He was able to pick up the phone to a company and yeah. say, oh, there's a school here. Let's go build the school. Yeah, but that guy was a, was a famous blackmailer. Uh, I mean, he made it difficult for people to say, <laughs> to say no, no to anything. Right? And, and now what we've got to do more and more of is literally being able to go, as South Africans, what can we do? Whilst I accept that there must be contributions to fiscus through tax and all of that. But the reality is, even with all of that, South Africans are in pain. They are hungry, they are unemployed, they are not safe, and worst of all, they are being miseducated. The, the, the biggest, highest crime that's taken place in the last number of years is the fact that, I mean, Rams, 
in what universe could you say to 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 citizens eight out of ten of our children cannot read for meaning by age of ten the majority of those are black kids which means that those kids not only are they going to be unemployed they are going to be unemployable yeah so instinctively you end up in a scenario where fervut's dream of townships being dormitories of unemployment becoming a reality i sometimes think there must be something that fervut looks at and says we couldn't have achieved better the, the current premier of Gauteng, who was then MEC, was opening schools literally every month. There was a new school opening. So you can't fault them for lack of effort, right? I mean, you can't say these guys have not tried to to solve this crime that you're speaking about of, of lack of education. Or do you think they're doing it wrongly? I think, you know, sometimes government prioritize infrastructure build sometimes for different reasons. It's nice to build an infrastructure because Machita can be able to get contracts and and we know where the thing goes. But access has increased. Just just note he didn't mention Saudi, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, So access then increases because yes, our achievement, and if you look at the Stats SA report that was tabled out, access to education has improved significantly. But you are now giving people access where literally in the same, you've got a number of failings. The first is that there are 5 million children, I think the Sowetan led with that as yeah. a front page, who are not in school. So so even though you've prioritized access, there's some challenges. In the infrastructure build, you still today, I mean, come on, we've still got schools that have got pet latrines. Worst of all is that now you've got a recent report that indicates that teachers are now assessing curriculum and exams that they themselves can't pass. So, yes, in prioritizing the one, we failed to improve the quality of education. We've ended up in a scenario, effectively, where kids are congregating. But where they congregate, what is called a school, I'm not sure they're walking away with an education. You know, I'd like to dwell more on the issue of the teachers that are not qualified to do what they do. But I'm not sure I've got all the time, but it, it worries me. So, because of, it's, it's, just, it's just a function of a perpetuation of the fact that, you know, during apartheid, education was, was designed so as to subjugate a group of people. Yeah. And, and I want, you know, I can appreciate that there were men and women who committed themselves to work within the system. And we had some incredible headmasters. I, I, I come from that, from those guys, right? Correct. I'm correct, a product correct, of those guys. Yeah. Correct, correct, yeah. correct. But then what happened is that post-94 and the shutting down of some of the teacher colleges and all of that, what happened is we had teachers who had never seen good lessons ending up in the classroom themselves, now replicating the history of what they've seen. And now the formula is repeating itself in one way. In another way, as unions have protected sometimes bad headmasters, look, I'm not... And it's in the Jobs for Cash report that Minister Njimutseha has got. These were... When you've got bad leadership in a school, I don't care what you do, what the teachers do. The reality of it is that the quality diminishes naturally. And then in the interest of us being able to sit down and say to people, look, our children are passing. What we ended up doing is dropping pass rates so that 
you can be deemed proficient or competent in a subject at 30%. So you do that over a decade or so with a minister who, in my view, doesn't have the competence for education, let alone the vision for it, you are going to produce, sadly, Banaba Ronaba, who are, who are literally incompetent, literally cannot be employed. They, have, they, they don't have the skill to sell. And, and it's not their fault because actually South Africans are unbelievable people, but the system is failing them profoundly. So I would say or if there's a domkop in the room, Kiba Babarana Department of Education. Okay, let me bring you back to Bosa. <laughs> <coughs> Realistically, how do you fancy your chances for 2024? Very good. Very good. And um, so there are a couple of reasons. It's not just Pollyanna-ish. Rutsukhile Khotwa. The truth is, so when you do research and you look at the top 10 political leaders in the country, right, I still, of the active ones, occupy the top five positions. Right. Of the, I mean, President Mbeki is still at the top of that list because people really? look back nostalgically and say, yeah, that's what it is. And secondly, even President Zuma is on that. You know, So, so if you remove those, then you narrow the list down to uh, Cyril, myself, Julius. And then after that, you start to enter Bohelen Zilla. So that's literally... What occupies that now? I, I that, cannot miss this moment. Then, you, then you throw in shade at your previous. Party, that that right? might. So they are below you even now. <laughs> like, like, well, like, since since you left, they lost out. That's what you say. Uh, and it's and it's common cause. I, I don't I don't have to say anything. It's just that that's how what uh, uh, the numbers indicate. So so that's the first thing. So I always say to people. The choice you'll have to make next year for who do you want to be as your president effectively now becomes. Either uh, CR, myself, Julius, or maybe John, just by virtue of yeah. the function not, of the not, party. Not Chief Justice Mohoe Mohoe. He says he's going to be president of the country. You know. Yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be shown, shown this thing. And he's going to, so, so, dis- so it's not there in the top five. Despite the divine work, I don't know. I don't see it in the, in the top five. Uh, but... Uh, but so, 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 so that's the first. So we've got to work hard. And um, one of the things we are grateful for is that recognition globally in South Africans, when you speak to them, they recognize, they know who we are. And the job now has been... Do they know you or do they know the party? Well, the, that's, that's, that's... The brand... That's what we're trying to solve. Are you the brand? Solve. That's or, what we're trying to solve yeah. for is that we, if our system allowed you for a straight presidential campaign, then they should get to know me yeah. but they have to know the party so so the work we've had to do is to marry the two things so that people know Jorge Musi Lebosa yeah. are one so that's been the hard work the second thing is as I say uh, we've got to offer citizens something new we have to go out and reach young people and so I'm comfortable enough Jorge the change for next year isn't getting 51% that's not the job the job is to actually go out at a basic minimum to be able to accrue over a million South Africans to go out and vote and then double that and say where do we go from there so so we are working hard to try and achieve that and and we are going into communities and people are receptive to that are you a candidate for 2024 or 2029 absolutely well look uh, as things stand at the moment, 
let us push for 2024 because of it's important as i announced even go go the launch of bossa that we are running for 2024 and and kurke matari it's because of south africans are i don't know about you but the predominant feeling is that we are a country that is cruising to disaster we are not heading in the right direction that let, let, let's kurke people know that i mean they feel it because we feel amopotli Yeah, the truth is at the end of the money there's still more month left you know you know yesterday i was i tried to fill in petrol and you think to yourself worry gone are the days you're full tank you can't we, sit here we actually whisper and just wave wave, wave the 50 rand we don't say anything <laughs> you know i was you know when you speak to people today talk about repo rate people are talk about they talk about a repo yeah, yeah. Because we're feeling it, I, I think people are feeling it. So, so there's a genuine feeling of a lack of leadership that is not trusted, and maybe in some ways, because of that feeling, it's inspiring a whole lot of new parties starting. But with all of that in mind, we have to, in a post-COVID universe where political leadership is mistrusted. We have to produce trust. I've never stolen anyone's money. I mind. actually wanted to take you there. That isn't it going to be difficult? I mean, I feel that we've lost trust in you guys, and and even though you you say that you you're on the ground and and, and speaking to the new voter, I, I'm worried that there could actually be even lesser voters in 2024 than in 2019. Uh, the the issue of lesser voters, and when we've got to inspire. The high turnout for next year it's it's globally this issue is 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 a is a concern because i think as someone on a global stage would raise the flag to say guys democracy is starting to face its own challenges and people are starting to question it right so so whether it's president xi jinping or there's a global sense of that and voter turnout is decreasing here in south africa we've been fortunate enough that often in national elections turnout is there people come out we've got to inspire the sense of people turning out to vote because if we don't have change democratically in the country what is factually true is that people will demand change mm. and they are not going to wait for 2029 by the way I think the anger. Wait, you don't have. I mean, I mean, here we are in Johannesburg. Down the road, a building burns down. Yeah. A hundred citizens, or a hundred people. Let's put it that way, because people now want to judge the value of a life by the passport it holds. Let's call them residents, because they yeah, they, they reside here. here. They reside here. Yeah. Die. Not a single person accounts for what went wrong. Not, not not a single there's, not a, there's a commission of inquiry uh already tried it so with we with the most expensive zondo not a single person has 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 taken any accountability so so i agree with citizens who say hore we are angry at the political system and they have every right to do so that's why when you were asking me earlier what are you doing in communities we also can't just sit there and come and sell people empty promises let's solve people's problems Let's let's work with people to to figure out what the problem and and let's do with the little that we have the best that we can because if people don't have water you are, you are you are effectively starving those people what in johannesburg people tell me straight the bargona you can have electricity internet or 
or water, but you can't have all three at the same time. <laughs> the combination. Do you say that as I'm sipping on water, <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to happen on the internet at the same time? Okay. Wow! So, I'm so slightly so, privileged. So, so you, you, once you've got a combination of all three, no, or you hit the jackpot. It can't be. These are, these are rights that citizens must be guaranteed. And and I'm I'm of the complete view. Let's partner with the people and let's do the work because actually, that is the salvation of democracy. When people feel like politicians have to listen to them and their voices are heard in parliament. If they are not being heard in parliament, then parliament can just be another just... Uh, but that ruling that, you know, uh, it pulled the rug under your feet when they, they couldn't allow for direct, or at least they made it so expensive to, you know, for direct representation and stuff like that, because that's what you are aspiring towards, right? Absolutely. And, and, and of course, we recognize the ruling, but... Um, we won the first round, which was to force parliament to do its work. Yeah. We are in the game in that the bill that parliament has put forward commits them to a few things. The first is that there must be an inquire there must be an investigation and a committee set up to review the entire electoral act. The chair of that was supposed to be elected four months after the judgment. Mari you know, the president's time is not mine. But it's, he's great at, at, at committees. You must grant it to uh, him. He I'm probably has about 100 appointed uh, so far. He's an expert at, at committing. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so there's that. And then the other thing is we're guaranteed as a society or we'll review this electoral act issue. So, so, so part of the work that we've got to do is to be in parliament so that we can make submissions directly. So stay inside the game. We, we, it's, a long, it's a long-term issue. Yeah. It's a long-term issue because we are unique as South Africa. I mean, I, I don't understand. Even the president agrees on this issue. He went to the Zondo Commission and when Judge Zondo asked him in his submission to say, Brr, why can't we look at direct elections even of the president? Africa is dealing, has got that. We are an anomaly in South Africa yeah. in that sense. So we've got to get back to saying, Hornom, let us have direct elections. Let's hold people accountable. Otherwise, one day, it's be Congress, your boss, and, and be fearful. Or, are they choosing our president? No. A political party doesn't choose your president, just like Nazarek doesn't, just like anything doesn't. It's parliament who does, but you've got to make sure one day you have the right to choose the president directly. Crime. It's crime is still a problem in this country. Every single day, people complain about Mar crime. That's what we publish every day here about crime. I mean, like, and, you know, you're a man of the cloth, man. I... Maram Should we go to back to eye for an eye, which is in the Bible? <laughs> no, Maram Pitisebo. Whilst there's crime happening in the country, why are we suitably entertained by watching Senzo Moyiwa's trial? Ko TV. El Kedah. People are unemployed. Your people are unemployed. That's the only entertainment on television. <laughs> we, 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 it, it, it almost makes it seem as though we are doing an investigation of crime. But we are not. Six, 70 people are being murdered in this country every single day. It must be something that sits back and asks all of us to sit down. And in truth, whether those people are murdered in the farm, in the streets, in, in, in the township, it's a life lost in this country. So my view is, one, police don't have priorities. How you go police station? Line, murder, rape, motor vehicle accident is the same. 
which means the person Lady is, photocopy. Lady photocopy. <laughs> the affidavit. It's all, it's all the same. We have to get back to prioritizing the police. And, and the first time we did that in 2010, murder actually was decreasing for two reasons. We prioritized the police. We said, we'll fund. Yeah. And you do nothing else but you deal with murder. No one's going to be murdered. Yeah. So that's the first. The second is, I think we need to, which was a concession of the constitution in 1994, we made SAPs a national competence, which means intelligence also sits at a national level. It's not helpful. We've got to regionalize policing, aggregated by adding metro. Why not? Uh, when you want to drive around Joburg, Bambora, Babatlo check on license disc instead of checking other things. You know? I, I always say that, you know, when these guys stop me and look for my license and they check for the disc and they let me go, they don't check I've got a, a body in my brain. You know what I'm thinking? Exactly. Exactly, you know. So, so, so we need to take city policing, merge it with uh, uh, a regionalized police force. Invite a volunteer culture that says we can add through an ex, through an extended public works program a, a, a cohort of young people, so that they can keep an eye on what happens in communities because you need more eyes looking at crime. And then but what? In BMB, grand, grand, that's what you're saying. I need more eyes on the road so that how when you do the crime, the collection and the use of evidence is better now. The use of technology in policing is also important. We know when most shots are fired. We know where they are being fired. And we know how to deploy resources accordingly. The current system still is a dual police system. It's, it's, it's a legacy of the past to say, let's use police stations to protect suburbs. Yeah. It's an old model. Let's use technology so that when we deploy resources, we know where the murder rates are occurring, when they occur. We know where hospitals are packed on this day, at this time, fundamentally because of alcohol and many other things. Let's go and do that. Now, if you bring it down, and then lastly, we've got more private security uh, companies and police private security <coughs> than we do actual police. That's a resource of people that is available that we can use effectively so that we take a strong, aggressive stance on crime. So that if you actually do do the crime, you'll end up in jail. But the populist will come up and say, let's bring on eh, de death and murder and uh, capital punishment, all of those things. That's going to happen. But seriously, the truth of the matter is that crime doesn't collapse at the point where we've got to give what the punishment is. It collapses when police station and you say, I'm here to report something, the docket goes missing, the evidence isn't collected properly up front, and therefore the policeman doesn't know what they're doing because they're overwhelmed. There. We've already lost that. They person. also can't write. But I mean, know, I mean, and to the Senzo, uh, Senzo case, yeah. you can see, Jorge, we've gone this way, and then Raichincha, we went that way, and it literally tells you everything about what's wrong with the criminal justice system. I'm not in the business of being rude to my guests, Mar. I don't think criminals are going to be scared of your voice. I mean, how about you think they'll be scared of you? No, I get about seven, I get about seven, my bodies, I get about how many bodies. Ozar, our lampage. It can't be. It can't be. We, we've lost the authority of the state. And any government that cannot enforce its own laws. And that's across all levels. And also, lastly, 
you know, we talk about the celebration. People tell me all the time, hey, we've got such a great uh, justice system. The legal institutions are so phenomenal. I say to them, Albatu, come on. At a lower magistrate level. I don't know how many people have been to magistrate of late. People can't even get basic things done. So that whole thing is collapsing underneath us yeah. right there. So, yes. Yeah, I think mostly we're referring to the high court and we've seen the constitutional court, court, right? All of that. But, yeah. but, uh, but where real stuff happens is magistrate court. maintenance Where do I go for such crimes so that I can get justice? I mean, we talk about gender-based violence, rape and assault. But in truth, we can't prosecute it. We can't police it. Let's be fair to ourselves. So so we've got to strengthen those. And the strength of the law and the force must be applied. Nah, don't fear politicians. I, I, I shouldn't fear Pegitel. Let's talk about corruption. Yeah. And I'm, I've got only one question. Post the Zondo Commission, do you believe that at the very least there's some heightened fear of people to be corrupt because now they know they're being watched. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I think, Hori, you know, the president has said something that in any democracy would be a video that goes. When he went to Zondo Commission, I know the ANC is accused number one. Accused number one, yeah. So how do you have criminals policing themselves? <laughs> but the accused are not necessarily guilty, right? You're not guilty until proven so. <laughs> now Zondo says, you people must investigate. The, the biggest mistake about the Zondo Commission, in my view, is that it didn't, in its initiation, set up a parallel special investigatory process. It became a commission instead of becoming... Legally, they can't. Even I know that. But what I'm saying so is what it should have had a parallel. Be, Correct. Be, yeah. It needed a parallel investigation so that that special investigatory unit would be able to go out and actually do the hard work of building cases and prosecuting. That unit used to exist, uh, you know, it used to be called the Scorpions and there used to be a special investigative unit I, in that space. I mean, I... You know, you know, somebody said to me once, he said, everyone... Uh, they were describing accused number one. Let me put it that way. They said everybody's eating. The difference is that others are fine dining and others are eating with open mouths. But eating, they are all yes. So, And I think that's what's going on. I, I, I just think, Jorge, that's, that's, that's what my frustration is at the moment. My, my genuine anger is that we are like a... If, 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 if our country was a family... There's not a problem that we can solve. We are just, whatever the problem is, we seem to have in, said, I, it will stay with us. It will stay with us. And corruption is one of those things that we've made it normal and we've institutionalized it. And by institutionalizing it, it means even a civil servant who goes to the home affairs thinks my day-to-day job is just a side hustle. My real job is here. The policeman who goes, my real job is actually <clears throat> something else. That's why when sometimes you go to the home affairs and they say to you, the system is down. You wonder, aren't they also saying to me, let's meet there, I'll give you a VIP service that accelerates the process. Because <laughs> the system being down is good for business. <laughs> you know? Is ESCOM one of Matata that we failing and and here's here's a follow-up question shouldn't we just switch off the lights on escom and and do something different (laughs) (laughs) 
ESCOMO, ESCOM is a is a headache. We we can't unfortunately because uh, you know over we have a shortfall of 5000 uh, megawatts of power that's what dictates the stages of load shedding and the ramp of that the balance over 26000 if i'm not mistaken is provided by escom so we can't and obviously like now just between 60 and 70% of our energy is provided through coal so on all of these coal fired power stations yeah. are are all are all escom uh, escom driven so so it's going to be a while before we can switch off escom but I, what I think we need to do, Gaescom, is again, how do we, how do we take that institution and say to ourselves, fine, kur, kur, kur. let me let me raise my first concern. My first concern is that Escom is suffering from a capital problem, so its debt is such that there, through Paris Climate Agreements and the Just Energy Transition, we are telling people, Kore, Stop using coal and we'll give you money. But the dilemma is the same countries. I was in Germany. They yeah. are busy refiring up their coal they fire. They're buying our coal. Correct. And so so it seems like it's okay for, for Africans to, to, to not uh, have lights while Rona will fire up our coal. Well, you would never say that when you're in the DA. I'm starting to like this move. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, it's a, and it is true. And, and that's an injustice globally. Yeah. It is. So we have to come back to say, Jorge. Yes. We have coal reserves for for hundreds of years to come. So 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 we have to deal with how we farm coal effectively and environmentally sustainable. As we transition, because I, I'm convinced we have to transition. Uh, part of doing that is how do we bring on renewables in a way that's transparent, in a way that doesn't capture the market and allow those who are rich. To continue now into a new economy and be richer, right? Why about bago bago topsin a sort of community trust that says, "Born, we are going to install uh, small modular reactors or SMRs yeah. who can power up Topsinville and we will fund for it so that there's a commercial benefit for people, right?" And more than anything, as we introduce even other types of renewables, I, I'm convinced for hospitals, schools, and that was part of the judgment. One of the court cases we won against the government was to say hospitals, schools, um, police stations, all that rooftop space must be filled with solar mm. so that we can reduce demand on that basis and stabilize the grid. But these guys are doing what Naomi Klein describes in Shock Doctrine that says, Jorge, Let's invent this crisis and keep people in permanent crisis so that we can make decisions as suit us. We don't need the crisis of load shedding. I reject that idea. I think there must be ways that we can manage this thing that are different. Things are better under Jose and Suramakopo. What do you say? I mean, there hasn't been load shedding this week. Well, there hasn't been much of it this yeah, week. Yeah, that's because demand is reducing. And, and he knows himself, or as demand is reducing, it's reducing as a function of big industries introducing what is called build-own-operate systems coming on board to be able to do that. So from that sense, relatively speaking, industry is taking itself out. We are solving this one problem. We will have another one in future because the next one in future is that municipalities can't on-sell electricity to people who are off the grid. <coughs> so we are, we are creating a, a different problem on the go. Uh, but but it's a welcome relief, you know. Arabic Christmas, where we are all in the dark. When so. that happens, though, 
probably electricity then will be cheaper and people will come back onto the grid because the grid is not those who are off the grid are not having it cheap by the way because of this crisis it has become very expensive to go Absolutely. off the grid yeah, yeah. but but um, the advantage is you can see it in a household that installs solar at first because it's amortized that over a period of time at first it is expensive and then over a period of time it starts to reduce because the cost of yeah, of renewables is becoming cheaper. Storage yeah. is getting better, and, and the, the, the upfront infrastructure is done already. Correct. Right? So I think over a long period of time, you will find where things will get cheaper and better over a period of time. I'm not. I, I I'm pro renewables, and I'm pro us diversifying our economy. But what I really want is for better participation. You know, as these bid windows are being opened. Let's ask more people to participate in that in that in that tendering process because if we don't, we're going to wake up moving from an an industrial economy to the next uh, economic boom and wake up and say it seems those who were wealthy in the previous ones have remained and those who are poor have remained in the same space. Which is what people are saying already. I mean, it's been thirty years and it, it seems like things have remained the same, right? So 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 my. My worry is the prospects of a child in Soweto pre-94 and the prospects of a child in Stellenbosch pre-94 have pretty much remained the same. Has the ANC reached its sell-by date? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and, and that's not from one who hates the ANC. I, I, I come from there. So, but the reality is, to, to sound it badly, I'm not telling that I'm going to Honestly, the NC should be on pension, knitting, looking after it. The voters are going to show us differently <laughs> next year. I think the voters are starting to show us Jorge, it's the NC's past sell by date. We saw it in the local government elections. Yeah. I, 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 I just think the NC is old. It's tired. It must rest. What new talent is coming through the NC? Let's, let's at least think about it that way. And furthermore, when we do concede the point... You know, the median age of cabinet, as we sit at the moment, is closer to mid-60s. We, in running a business, would not be quick to hire someone who is post-pension to say, come run this massive business. Pick and Pay just did that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're not your funders. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping, Jorge, we can get a government that's agile because we are solving for different problems, you know. I, I I love my father, uh, South Africa. I love him, but I wouldn't say to him now, "Come and run government," because you are you've been through it all. I, I wouldn't do that. And so 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 it's not out of hatred. It's just out of the fact that Lene himself says to me, see where you can invest it so that you can resolve to problems I don't have uh, the opportunity to engage." Yeah. With, so okay. Uh, Let's talk international relations. What are your views on, on BRICS? BRICS itself is a good thing. Um, and funny enough, uh, I think in that instance, I thought the president and I certainly communicated to Naledi Pando to say, Jorge, I thought they'd done an extraordinary job of managing the conference itself. The resolutions that come from the con conference, uh, I, I'm not going to pronounce on some of the countries that have been added yet because that some of those countries are not Democrats, etc. But I do think 
in a universe that is creating a multipolar world. We, you know, we can't just be sitting east-west. We also have to think about Africa becoming a new polar. I, I thought, I think that's important to do. And I think geopolitics are resetting themselves. Inherently because we have to think about the opportunities of the future and how they respond to foreign policy. And to use a few, we've spoken about climate and climate capital. Mm -hmm. You know, in a multipolar universe, you can't deny the fact that as climate is changing, how we fund projects, Africa cannot be borrowing money at higher costs than other countries yeah. in similar stages. You know, the interest that's been levied on many states is just a perception issue, and we need to fix that. There are digital issues that we need to think about in a world that's fast uh, being incorporated. Today, I'm as alive to a war that's taking place in Russia, Ukraine, on my smartphone in real time. And that presents a whole new opportunity. I, I do think there are questions of security and threats that are taking place in the world. And I have happened to think, Jorge, part of the inclusion of Argentina, and it might I wonder where China's relation to that has everything to do with the Falcon Islands, has everything to do with the security around around that coastline. Uh, around the South, I thought it was about beef. The, 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 the biggest the, beef producer sure, in the world. And, you know, about the South Atlantic. So, so I think there's an interest uh, yeah. in, in that issue. So that then emphasizes pe what people say about Briggs being a camouflage anti-West uh, I, I think I think conglomerate. I, th I think we should we should not frame it as anti anything. I think what we should rather frame it as is to say, creating a new polar in the world, and keep in mind this problem: when China were confronted with the problem of a bulging population of over a billion people, China had to answer the question, how do we move 300 million people from poverty to the middle class or people die? Africa has 1.2 billion people by 2040, at least projected. So the population dividend and bulge is an opportunity and a threat. Mm -hmm. If we don't create the same question, how do we move 300 million people from poverty to middle class? We're going to face profound deaths here. And, and I think here's an opportunity for Africa. We've got all the minerals yep. for battery technology. We've got to make sure that Africa, I'm certainly one of those who's thinking hard about even the, the, the Africa Free Trade Agreement, how do, we, how do we incorporate it better? How do we ensure that there's a workable currency that can allow us to trade amongst each other? And how do we, when we look at the world, even around issues like pharmacology, Africa must be able to create its own health centers mm. so that one day we can, we can produce our own vaccines. Because, because when you think about the COVID discussion, right? Africa had lower deaths relative to other continents. Indeed. Because my <laughs> suspicion is, we had variations of COVID happening before that over a period of time. So we would have been ideal to think about what is our response to uh, an airborne virus of that nature and what African policy needed to be like. Because certainly I'm not convinced that what was easily a European solution about lockdowns was easily applicable here in the continent. So, so I do think we need to think about that. We need to think about vaccines that are coming out from here. And I also do think as Africans, given that in this field of microbiology, we are faced with this dilemma of um, antibiotics 
becoming something that are becoming resistant to our new versions of viruses that have been the, of, of of illnesses that are coming on board. How do we create a new antibiotics for the future? And we've got the research capacity for that. And I tell even many of our European counterparts, I say to them, the way you dealt with Africa during COVID is something that is going to leave a lingering bitter taste for a period of time. Because I was in Spain when we discovered Omicron here. And I can remember coming back from Spain, they were like, Omicron, let's shut the borders from Africa. And I said, in what universe? Our scientists have served the global community and yet you suddenly want to shut the, shut the doors. It's, it's, it's just a disdain of African leaders yeah. that, that has left a lingering feeling of an inequality in engagement. Lorona, as Africans, we need to ask better of our leaders. We, we must ask for leaders who can speak for the continent, but also put ideas on the table about what the future of Africa must look like. And retire when time is to, has come to retire. <laughs> Where do you stand on the current situation in Palestine and Israel? My sense is let's not synonymize Hamas with the broader Palestinian issue. Hamas is a terrorist organization. It's been classed that way. I think the attack on Israel was uh, brutal and evil. I don't, having been to both sides of the issue, I condemned strongly terror attacks that took place. The response that has taken place now, um, we've got to make sure that uh, we cannot continue this war. It simply can't be. And we issued a very strong statement in the beginning to say, Violence must be condemned. And I do think that what needs now to happen, which is important, is that the global community must make sure that we not only end the conflict, but we restore the nature of the agreement that has always been in place, which is how do we achieve a two-state solution and make sure that in the region we have we have peace because I don't think violence is, is the issue. And, I, and then having engaged... Uh, both sides of the argument, I do think part of it is that the solution that sits there, we've got to deal with the broader countries that are around, whether it be Iran, whether it be the various countries that are there, Iraq, uh, Jordan, all of that. Should we, just, should we just take it that <clears throat> when people say to us, Hamas is a terrorist organization, you know, Nelson Mandela was once called that, right? By the same countries that call Hamas, the ANC was called terrorists, the PAC were called terrorists. Shouldn't we be cautious about this labeling from the same people who called the guys that now we, we worship? Tata now is, you know, mm. he's got a saintly uh, status among us and he was called a terrorist by the same people. I, I do think having met at least some of the leaders in the Palestinian Authority, I've never met anyone from Hamas. And I think the struggle you are describing, was it being waged by the Palestinian Authority? I think it has a different conversation. I happen to have observed what goes on in Gaza. And in truth, even some of the Palestinians would tell you straight up they are being harmed by Hamas. So, so I think to, to my earlier point, you cannot, I certainly think, cannot synonymize Hamas and the broader Palestinian issue.
I, I think, to merge the two and simply make them one and simply amass the struggle of what the Palestinians are fighting for and make it one of Hamas, I think would be a gross uh, miscalculation. More than just condemning the response by Israel, do you have any stronger ways? I mean, I find that, you know, we call one group terrorists, then we condemn the violence on the other side. I mean, somebody would also feel that the, the reaction by Israel is terrorist in nature. No, there are many issues that have to be dealt with with there. I mean, like certainly even in the conversation about occupied territories, etc., etc., some of that needs to be interrogated and we need to be able to It has been interrogated for many, many years and nothing is changing. We're seeing videos of settlers taking people's homes even today. I, I, I certainly think that those actions, equally so, must be must be condemned and we must deal with them. Right? That's a, that's the but what we cannot do is produce what is an eye for an eye because I think over a long period of time the region itself has its own. The, the, the first question we must ask ourselves, and maybe this is for me, where sometimes in all of the dilemma, I say to myself, does Israel have a right to exist? And I happen to think yes. There are others who say no. And so long as we can't reconcile those two things, we'll always have chronic problems. Yeah. I think Israel has its right to exist. It has its right to its own borders. It has its right to its own. And it must build a functioning state. Coincidentally, those who are negotiating in this crisis agree on both points. It's like people who say, yeah. we want to live in, in this way. Let's, let's make that possible. And South Africa's lesson in this thing is that we've been able to negotiate through very brutal issues, difficult issues. Apartheid was a, was condemned a crime against humanity. We were able to negotiate and get through it. Escalating matters to violence, you are going to have profound deaths. And I don't think we should allow that. And I think we should be insisting more and more that there should be better negotiation and resolving this. I need to conclude this conversation. It's, this is the longest podcast I've heard, actually. <laughs> the longest. I, I tried to keep them below 30 minutes. Anyway, let's get quickly to a few questions and I want us to conclude. Who are your friends lately? I mean, I mean, you lambaste the ANC, you, the DA fired you, your former friends sue you, Kazakhs are not doing well. Who are your friends lately? <laughs> you, you, you know, of all the things you've, you've said, you hurt me the most about Kazakhs. Wait till But it would be typical from an Orlando Pirates fan. <laughs> Uh, typical, but uh, I'm asking as a brother. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> From the deepest of my heart. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Fair enough then. Um, look, we are working with a number of new political formations together to say where can we collaborate, and those conversations are taking place at multiple levels. Uh, to be honest with you. New ones who are focused on new and the future, those are my friends. The ones, the old, you know, we have to put up with it, but we don't have to be, we have to focus on South Africa's future. Are you still good with Helen? Buddy, buddy. No. Go on. I mean, the other day as it happens, I I I I, I saw her at a, at a, on a flight and I actually wanted to greet her because, you know, and 
she literally wouldn't. So, so I, I, I'm, it's a pity because I think that uh, personalities aside, all of those issues aside, uh, they have a job to do as I have a job to do. And we have a country to work towards. We still remain human beings. So not at all, not at all. And, and, I, and it's not for, I, I've certainly been one who said, Ari, we are, I don't allow the personal to try and distract us from the national, from the issues of this country. And on that note, do you miss Jacob Zuma? <laughs> I saw him uh, at the funeral uh, 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 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, I've I've never met anyone who, who is so who's so friendly. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I, I I miss him because you know I miss the he the, gave you scripts the the, the the banter and all of that. I don't think South Africa misses him per se. <laughs> although although although. When President Zuma was president, I knew there were serious issues of corruption, but I never worried that this country is teetering and it's heading towards a place where I don't think it may be irrecoverable. Oh, I wanna know. I'm deeply worried that, you see, President Zuma would at least lead, but lead in a direction he didn't want to go. I worry now we have zero leadership. We have no consensus. We have no, we are literally on what is cruise control to disaster? And, and, and that's more worrisome than any other thing. So when is the biography coming? I mean, look, you, you may need upwards of 10 million rent, especially if you want it to be hey, unauthorized. Hey, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Something. <laughs> it's, it's, now that I've got this court case to pay for, it might delay <laughs> slightly. But, but anyways, uh, we hopefully, uh, the script is done. I it hopefully will hit publications early in the year, certainly oh, in an election. Brilliant. So we look a, forward to that. I'll have you back, there, back here to talk about the, the biography. And uh, are you ever going to come back to South Africa from Cape Town? <laughs> <laughs> My home is here. <laughs> from time to time, I, I, I hear those who came back from exile came to lead the country. So I think there's a script that's been followed. As first you start go Robben Island, then <laughs> then then Cape Town and Opal's War, and then you make your way to the Union Building. That's the script I'm following. Ah, excellent. <laughs> I've got the answer. And lastly. <laughs> If you fail to make it into parliament next year, what then? One, we're not going to. Uh, I think, uh, no, we'll be there. Uh, the, the question is, how significant will it be? We will continue to fight. I, I've told you, when I came in here, activism is my work, it's my country, it's my passion. The fight is still there. Nah, nah, I, 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 let's make a difference in this country. You know, I, I was yesterday in a in a place, and I know we can be all Mandela worshipping and all of that. I, I get that. But there's a beautiful quote from Mandela that I, I don't want to misquote it, but his argument is that the, the value of our lives cannot be determined simply by the years we've spent, but the contribution we've made to others. In fact, I took a picture of it if I if I if I because it was on a mural. Uh, somewhere where I was, and I still maintain, or that's the life we must live. That's the, in fact, he says, what counts in life is not the fact that we have lived, but the difference we have made to the lives of others. That will determine the significance of life we've led. And and what is true is that even when I was in 
in church, I sought to say my faith must compel me to make a difference somewhere. I mean, we ran a holiday program for kids, Kotopsi, well within the Catholic Church because I thought kids cannot stay at home in the holidays and do nothing. Whether, whether it was as a youth worker, we ran programs for young people. Uh, and, and, and my life will always be that. And so even in Parliament, you know, uh, one of the things that I thought Parliament robbed from me is that Parliament in some ways became more of a talk shop and less of a doing activism thing. And that's why I think the, the genuine mistrust of politicians set in. Um, if you said to me, the last five years of what others would deem as some form of being in the wilderness, etc., would you do it again without a shadow of a doubt? Not only did it teach me to appreciate what fine whiskey is, but... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> but it taught me a lot about what, you know, what you and I think is a problem, Zondo Commission. The South African at home is worried about totally different things. For them, corruption isn't about Zondo. Corruption is about... There are food parcels being delivered here. Quick question. Yes. Very, very big weekend. Absolutely. We're about to get back to 1995, meet New Zealand again in the finals. Yes. How do you fancy our chances? I, we, this is the best Springbok side led by an incredible leader that we've had. So uh, this is one, this, we are bringing it home. <laughs> Very sure about this. Hundred percent. I think we've got an, an unbelievable fifteen uh, uh, young men who will fight for it. And I, we remember a couple of weeks ago we beat New Zealand, and they didn't know what was what had hit them. And between Rasi and Sia, I'm sure they've got a clever plan as to how we will repeat the same. So, so, so I'm confident form is with us. I'm gonna stop you right there. Ladies and gentlemen, boss, man. So, Musi, yeah. my man. It's been yeah. wonderful having you here, mate. I I, I feel like I, I, if I, I'll set the record, let the next guest who comes in do two hours podcast. We're never going to get there. We're going to go back to the normal maximum 15, 30 feet, somebody else. But, you know, if somebody's going to come from a different country and come here, give them the time. But I have to, I had to give you the time. I mean, you... You you brought a passport in here. No, it's it's a, very it's, 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 a, it's a compliment to say or we were, we were able to talk for long enough because so they they they'll come in and they'll spend about twenty minutes or so. It's no. been wonderful having you here. <laughs> Thank always you, a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Taking the Rams by the Horns. Please send your comments to me via email on rams at ramsmavote.com. Let me know what you think of this podcast. Please share your thoughts about Bossa Musi Maiman. Download the MySowetan app and listen to more of my podcasts. Follow us on X at Rams by the Horns and at Sowetan Live. From me, Rams Mabote, goodbye. And I'm sorry that it took this long. God bless. <laughs>